Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 118. The title of our Sunday worship service for May 26, 2019 is Finger Pointing. It is the fourth in our series, Truth Talks, BS Walks. Life doesn't happen to you. Life happens through you. When we take responsibility, we make changes. So our scripture today, John 8, 7. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Now you know this one. You know this one. This is one of the greatest hits collection. Available from KTEL. One of the reasons that I really appreciate this story is it gives us a little bit more depth into how Jesus carried himself. It's easy to make sort of a one-dimensional picture of Jesus and imagine him as a guy up on a hill telling us how to do stuff. I mean, there's some of that. There's a Sermon on the Mount and so on. But apart from the miracles, it's easy to paint half of a picture of Jesus and get the idea that all he ever did was tell people what to do. We don't get, unless we read with a certain level of depth, we don't get a lot of, well, what did he do, really? This is important. And I love this story because you get to see a little bit more about how he operated. Now, you know the story, but I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Tough luck. As it happens... Jesus would go up to the Mount of Olives and he would go up there and pray and think and meditate and reflect and do Jesus' stuff up there. And uh, then he would come down into the temple. And he did this a lot. He would come down into the temple and talk with the, the Pharisees and the rabbis and the teachers of the day. And it's an amazing thing just to think about that piece of it. For one thing, the guys aren't there. The disciples aren't there. We don't even know where they are in this story. It's just Jesus doing this thing. And you get the idea that the, the Pharisees and the rabbis were going, well, this guy keeps coming back. Why? And you've got to ask yourself, why would he keep coming back? Knowing what's going to happen, knowing all of this stuff, knowing that basically they're trying to trip him up, right? Why does he keep coming back? There's a message there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he keeps coming back and he keeps coming back and he keeps coming back. And when the story starts, he's in the temple and he's just kind of bent over writing something in the sand. We don't know what he's writing. God, I'd love to know what he was writing. But the Bible doesn't say. But he's writing in the sand and the Pharisees say, okay, we got him this time. Guys, we got him. Because here's what we got. We got somebody. Jesus, we caught this lady. She is an adulterer. We've got the tape. We know that she's supposed to be punished. And according to the law that was brought down by Moses, she's supposed to be executed. We're supposed to throw rocks at her. Eee, tough break. What do we do, Jesus? And they think they've got him because think about it. If Jesus says, yeah, y'all ought to kill her. Well, so much for the love one another thing. So much for the gospel in one word. So much for the forgiveness platform of radical mercy and outrageous love that Jesus has been talking about since day one. So if he says kill her, then they got him that way. But if he says don't kill her, then hey, I thought you were supposed to uphold the laws. I thought you were here to to follow our traditions. I thought you were like the rabbi of rabbis and you're breaking all the rules. Which is it? So they think they got him. It's like a courtroom drama all of a sudden. I love that moment because you get to see how Jesus reacts. You have been in a situation where it felt like they got you coming and going. 
You know what it's like in one way or another. We all do. But Jesus is not playing the game. He's just writing in the sand. And he says, oh, what? (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the image I have. What's that? And she goes, I'll tell you what. Whoever in this room who hasn't messed up, look at your past, look at your life. If you've never made a mistake, he who is without sin, you go ahead and throw that rock. Go ahead. And then he goes back down in his writing. Just not even interested. Now, imagine yourself in that situation. I don't know about you, but I have absolutely been in a situation where I had built a case against another person. Oh, it's their fault that I ain't happy. It's their fault that the job isn't working out, the money isn't working out, the love life, the whatever. It's their fault. It's because of my background, my upbringing, my stuff, my whatever. You know, fill in the blank. Everybody's been there. And I've been there where I thought I had somebody dead to rights. And then one way or another, that wonderful mirror that is life says, no, 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 you've got some stuff to take care of here. You've got things to work on. Oh, come on. I wanted to have a villain. I wanted to have an adversary, an arch enemy. Come on. I think I'm James Bond. I need to have Blofeld. I need to have a bad guy. There's no bad guys. Spoilers. No bad guys. And so the rabbis, the Pharisees who were ready to get Jesus dead to rights kind of creep out. The Bible says the older ones walked out first. Those who've been around longer, I guess. Had more time to mess up, I guess. Start to creep out. Other people start to creep out. Jesus isn't even looking. He's still just writing in the sand. And then finally he looks up. Oh, what's going on? And it's just him and the lady. I love that. And he goes, where did we go? I thought we were going to have a rock show. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. I didn't know I was going to say it until I said it. And then I said it. And she says, it's just you and me. He says, oh, so nobody was here to condemn you. No. Well, I don't condemn you either. Don't mess up anymore. The Bible says, go and sin no more. Don't do it anymore. That's all. That's it. That's the whole message, and that is a big deal. Here's the thing. Through this series that we've been working on, Truth Talks and BS Walks, through this series, one of the things that we have talked about is that you cannot be defined by the things that you have, right? We talked about the idea that you could be happy or miserable in a private jet, so that can't tell you who you are. You can be happy or miserable with your perfect partner. If you decide you ain't perfect, it ain't going to work out. You can be happy or miserable at Disney World. You can be happy or miserable in prison. The things that you own can't tell you who you are. The things that you, the places that you find yourself in can't tell you who you are. The things that you do can't tell you who you are. Your you-ness, your identity comes from a deeper place. And so, part of what we want to talk about this week is this. Are you ready? Sin is not a basis for judgment. I'm going to say that again because it's real important. Sin is not a basis for judgment. That's part of what Jesus is saying there. Part of what Jesus is saying is remember that sin, the word sin, it sounds like a highfalutin word. Smells like brimstone a little bit. But the word just means messing up, missing the point, giving in to your ego, missing the mark, so to speak. And everyone has sinned. I know I have. I have made big and small mistakes a lot. So what? That's not who I am. 
Sin is no basis for judgment. And I need us to know that together. I need us to be a church family that upholds that in each other because there are people in this room and people watching on the internet who say something like this, well, I can never love again because I was just so rotten that one time in the past. I can never truly prosper because of this thing that I did or this thing that that happened to me. I can never truly be happy or fulfilled or fill in the blank because of this this mistake that I made. Well, here's the thing. God gives each of us phenomenal cosmic power and God gives each of us freedom to use that power according to what's in our hearts. And I have used my freedom and my power to do dumb things sometimes. I'm here to grow. And you know what? That is a permanent condition. Because once you learn a series of lessons and you get to a certain place, you you find yourself in the presence of new lessons, new opportunities to mess up. It's okay. Learn and grow. That's the formula. So sin is not even important. It's not even interesting. It's not about what you did or what happened. It's about what you're going to do about it. It's not about falling down. It's about getting up. And you know that, right? Hmm. That's really, really important. I think it's a wonderful thing that the the metaphor of Jesus in the story is going up to the highest peak of the mountain and down into the temple, even down into the sand. I mean, that's the whole spectrum of real life experience, imminent and transcendent. One of the many reasons why I am a Christian, one of the many reasons why Jesus is my hero my guiding star, my way shower, and there are a lot of reasons, but one of them is Jesus says, this matters in life right now. I'm not here to tell you about being on a mountaintop somewhere far away. I'm here to tell you that what happens in the highest heights matters in what you do right now. This is really important right now. The whole gospel is a gospel of engagement. So ask yourself, how can you get involved something amazing happens when we stop passing the buck now I have first hand experience here because I'm a dad I remember when the kids were small and uh, we lived in a different house the kids had the whole it was a three story house because it was built into a hill and the kids had the whole top floor of our townhouse it was cool two bedrooms and a bathroom up there And every night, we would march the kids upstairs and get them into their jammies and get their teeth brushed and do the bedtime story thing. And the whole, you know, Ward and June Cleaver outfit. We had the whole thing. (laughs) I would have smoked a pipe if it wasn't bad for you. All right, let's talk. But anyway, this particular night, Jenny had Raina duties, and she was getting Raina set up, and I was in there with Miles. And I walked around the corner to his room, and I saw that at about... Miles level, and like I said, he was small, all along the door to his room and all along the wall, somebody, don't know who, somebody had colored with crayons all along the wall. Gosh, this is a CSI situation. Who could have done that? Now, I said, Miles, who colored on the wall? Who colored on the door? And my son is smarter than I am and slicker than I am. Always has been, always will be. When I grow, he's already right there going, oh, wow, you're here now, good. But Miles said, I don't know who colored on the wall. And at that point, my wife and my daughter came around the corner right there to see the trial of the investigation unfold. Ladies and gentlemen of the supposed jury, what's going to happen next? 
And this was a big deal, especially for my daughter, because at that age, rules were very important. You do not break the rules. She saw a thing on the shopping cart that showed a kid like kind of hanging off the side and the slash through it, and never again would she hang off the side of the shopping cart. We followed the rules. And so she wanted to see what happens when the rules get broken. And my son looked at me and he said, you know, I think maybe Raina did it. <gasps> oh, <laughs> them's fighting words. She couldn't handle it. It was like we accused her of a tri-state killing spree. No way. And he saw on my face, my daughter's face, my wife's face, that that wasn't going to work. He said, okay, Raina didn't do it. But he said, you know, I think maybe the dog did it. <laughs> now, that would have been amazing for all kinds of reasons, especially because at that point, we did not own a dog. <laughs> And he looked at us, and I think you said, Jenny, uh, Miles, we don't have a dog. And he goes, okay, I did it. And I love the transition that happens. And what went on in my son's head was not fear, because he was never afraid of us. Can you imagine me ever spanking a kid? It doesn't work that way. I think that the, the worst thing that ever happened is they have to listen to me talk at him. And in that case, what Miles learned was how to clean a wall. Good skill to have. There's no punishment there. It doesn't work that way because I'm not interested in that. We all mess up. If I had my way, I would have kept it on the wall, but we want to learn certain lessons. You get it. But instead, what was at stake was a transition out of an immature way of thinking about things, a childish way of thinking about things. The childish, immature way is, as long as it's not my fault, it's okay if bad things happen. And when bad things happen, I don't care about fixing it, I care about pointing it. You know what I mean? Blaming it. That is the immature response. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who did it, who did cancer. I don't know, let's find a cure, right? That's the fix. Who cares who did it? Doesn't matter. The immature mind finds blame, the grown-up mind finds answers. That's the difference. And so in that moment, I got to see my son realize that we don't care really who did it, we're going to fix it. And that changes everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of radical engagement, a gospel of showing up for your life. And when you think about the series that we have done, the first one was about truth in general, the idea that you are entitled to take out the garbage in your world. The second week was about who you are. And as a child of God, I want to remind you that you are allowed to get done with anything that is not appropriate in the life of a child of God. Think about that. Do you have jealousy? Do you have anger? Do you have grudges? I get it. I understand. And sometimes those things are comfortable. Sometimes it's fun. It's in my comfort zone to be miserable because at least I know what to expect. Well, we are going to break ourselves out of that. Because as a child of God, you are entitled to happiness and adventure and learning things the hard way maybe, but learning. That's what it's all about. And so this week, we're going to go even further into that with the idea that you know already... If God is everywhere, Sunday school stuff, right? If God is everywhere, then you don't have to go looking for God. So many people try to seek God. And maybe they don't even call it God. They call it happiness or fulfillment. It doesn't matter to me what words you use. It's a higher connection, whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me right now. So many people go looking for the thing out there in the world, but you never find it until you find it in here. If God is everywhere, we're not here to seek God. We're here to agree with God. Change your orientation and you will change your life. We're not here to seek God. We are here to learn how to listen. So let me say that another way. Stuff happens in the world. 
You can ignore it, you can fight it, or you can listen to it. And when we learn how to listen to one another, when we begin to realize that stuff isn't happening out there as much as it's happening so so that something inside of me can change. The brave heart is the heart that is open to change. I'm not here to be validated. I'm here to be challenged. And that's a big deal. I hear people say things that, that I raise an eyebrow about. I can't help myself. I see the Facebook post. Somebody says, well, you know. And anytime anyone says, you know, I'm already in trouble. Hardly ever does something good come after you know. But you know, all religions really say the same thing. Now, look, I get it. It's a sweet thing. We're trying to say we're all in this together. And that much is true. We're all children of God. We're all working on it. Absolutely. I love that statement of peace. But on the other hand, you know that all religions don't say the same thing. There's some religions that think the other ones are going to burn forever. How many wars have been fought over religious difference? Religions don't all say the same thing. That's like saying, you know, all, all restaurants serve the same food. Well, they, they don't. And if you really think that, then I get to pick where we're going. And we're going to have pizza every night for the rest of your life. Tough, because all restaurants serve the same thing. That's only true if you boil it down to the point where you miss everything that's important. And sometimes people say that because they just don't want to do the homework. You know, I've seen the Facebook post, and you have too, where it's the golden rule of Christianity, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then a similar statement in Judaism, and a similar statement in Islam, and a similar statement in Zoroastrianism, and Buddhism, and Hinduism, and then, I don't know, like the Church of Fonzi. Whatever it is, it goes down. It goes down. And you know what? They all do have a similar kind of a statement, but even there, there's some differences, but it leaves too much out. Do unto others. Well, how do I do? Who are these others? Because you know as well as I do, there are some religions that say certain people don't even count as people. They're not even the others that I would do one to. There's too many questions i got to answer. So instead of oversimplifying, let's engage. God is everywhere. God speaks through each and every one of us. And every path is valid. We respect them. But respect means celebrating differences, not ignoring them. Do you understand the difference? Respect means not saying, you people all say the same thing that I'm saying. And that's sometimes what people mean. You know, all religions say what I already think. And someday they'll all just come, ag- come around and agree with me. Oh, that's a little egotistical. It's a little bit condescending. And in some cases, it's even a little bit racist. That's not what we mean. I want to be challenged by the fact that, you know what, God gives us all the same stuff to work with, but what we do about it in religion, in life, in the way that we love, in the way that we celebrate, is profoundly different. And that's wonderful because when I see the differences, I let myself change. One of the many reasons why we're marching in the pride parade is that we want to be the people who can stand up and say, is it okay with you that some people do things differently than you? Can you be bigger? Can you celebrate the idea that love has many forms and it's all love? Because saying that everybody says the same thing is a little bit of closeting. And I want to be open. I want to change. People outside are not here to validate me. They're here to inspire me and, yes, to challenge me. So when somebody calls you on your stuff, we're not going to do that validation thing of saying, well, you're already saying what I'm saying. And we're also not going to do the validation thing of saying, well, everybody's doing it. You ever heard of whataboutism? You ever heard that term? Well, you ran over my foot. Well, what about those people? They run over people's feet all the time. I don't care. This is my foot. You're a car. 
When you were a kid, somebody told you if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? We're going to grow out of that immature way of pointing at other things. Can you imagine getting pulled over? The cop says you were speeding and you say, yeah, but what about all those other speeders out there? You're going to meet a judge. It doesn't matter. I pulled you over. You did a thing. We are going to be the kind of people who take responsibility for what's going on in our lives. We are going to be the kind of people that say, you know what I did and now I choose to learn from it. That's all. It's not a big punishment, eternal, you're no good moment. It's a moment of, yeah, let's engage on this. Let's do something different. It's not a matter of having a bad guy that's here to punish you. It's not about blame anymore. My dog blames me for lightning. It's clear to me. I mean, he hates thunderstorms. I get it. It's the loud noises. It's all of that kind of stuff. He can't stand it, my dog, when there's, when there's the, the thunder cracking. And he's such a smart little, little guy. He knows when it starts to get cloudy. And I guess he can feel the barometric pressure change or whatever it is. And he starts getting afraid and he starts kind of creeping around. You know the deal. And my dog it very clearly comes up to me and says, What? What are you doing this for? Don't you like sunshine? What's wrong with you? He blames me and he tries to get me to take him out of all of the, the various doors that lead out of the house because he thinks one of them will lead to sunlight. It don't work that way, but my dog is not a meteorologist. He blames me for the lightning. But you're not a dog. It used to be that primal people thought when the lightning happened, when storms happened, somebody was doing it to them. But you're not those people. Sometimes lightning comes. The question is not whose fault it is. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Sometimes the lesson is really straightforward, like, go inside, put the golf club down. Sometimes the lesson is more complicated. But inevitably, the lesson is, I'm not here to find fault. I'm here to recover, to move on, to grow. That's the deal. Because the thing is, life is a wonderful barometer. It will tell you what you need in order to grow. The things that you notice out there in the world are the things that you might need to work on inside yourself in a very real way. A lot of blame is hypocrisy. A lot of blame is hypocrisy. If you notice it out there in the world, it's probably the case that it's something that you can work on in yourself. Why do we say that there's no geographical cure? Because everywhere you go, there you are, right? In other words, if you've got, I don't know, hate and fear and stuff in your heart, you're going to see hate and fear everywhere you look, on the news, at the store, in the car, the whole deal. And you know what? There is stuff to fix out there in the world. Go out there and fix it. But until you deal with it here in your heart, you will never run out of examples of hate and fear. And you can go cleaning up the whole world for the rest of your life and really all you'll get is tired. We are here to stand up for justice. We are here to speak out. We are here to speak truth to power in the whole thing. But that is our second job. The first job is to fix it here. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Tend your garden. Fix your stuff and then go out in the world and stand up for something. That's the equation. So, what work can we do? We know that there's no accidents out there in the universe, but that seems like a very cosmic thing. When Albert Einstein says, I don't believe that God plays dice with the universe, that's great, but I got a life to live. I got groceries. What does that mean? So, let's bring it in. Let's take it down to the sand, so to speak, and say, There is no accidents in your moment. 
what you have going on in your heart, you have drawn to yourself so that you can learn. This isn't about a blame thing. It's not about a guilt thing. It's about a growth thing. Take what's going on in your life and learn from it. Find a way to learn from what goes on so that you can move on. That's the secret. So, what can you let go of? I mean, really, what can you release? There's something. How can you find room to agree with God? Because once again, if God is everywhere, then every single person in your life is a messenger. And you know what we don't do? We don't kill the messenger. We're going to find a way to live in peace. If God is everywhere, then every single person is a messenger. Because, you know, I know that in the Bible it says that God speaks with a booming voice in the wilderness, and that's awesome. But are you ready for that? How much time do you spend in the wilderness? God speaks to us in the language that we're ready for. God is always trying to get through the cracks, and some people have the ship pretty sealed up. How can you open up a little bit more? God is always talking. Sometimes the the message of God isn't the booming voice. Sometimes the message of God is you getting the job or you getting the phone number, you getting the promotion. Sometimes the message of God is the positive diagnosis, the moment when it works out. Sometimes that's God talking. And sometimes God talking is the flat tire that kept you out of trouble or getting fired from a job that made you feel like a loser in the first place. (laughs) That's happened to me many times. Sometimes God talks to us in a language that we're ready for. So the job we have is to get as ready as we can. To remember that each and every voice is a messenger. So, here's the deal. It's really easy to blame out there in the world those others, those people out there who vote different than me and think different than me and love different than me and live different than me and have more or less money than me. They're the ones messing it all up, you see. But what if I tell you that there's no others? If God is our father, our mother, then we are brothers and sisters. There's no them. There's just us. Whenever you see somebody on the news, whenever you see something going on, let's be the kind of people that go, you know what, there's just us. I have no idea why you're doing the thing you're doing, and we're going to address it. But you and I are made out of the same stuff. The beginning of justice is when I realize that there's just us. As corny as that is, it's the truth, man. You and I are surrounded by brothers and sisters. Look, the deal is that Jesus was writing in the sand during that wonderful story, and we don't know what he wrote. But maybe that's not important. We know what he said. Here's the question. Because every moment is you making an impression on your life. Every moment determines what's going to happen next for you, for this family, for this world that we all create together. The question is not what did he write. The question is what do you write? What is your impression in the sand, in the ground of your existence? What will you say next? Stuff has happened, good, bad, indifferent. Let us be the kind of people who forgive, who bless, who celebrate, who grow. Let us be the kind of people who stand up for love, And stand up for freedom. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph. And I just want to thank you for 
taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address, and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.